Do you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. What is it called when you predict everything that's going to happen before it happens? Um, prophetic? Yeah. Well, it wasn't me. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it was it was Nerdist News that was <laughs> prophetic. But we said yet last week that it was going to be uh, Glenn and Abe and it... Well, certainly was both of those guys. <laughs> and oddly enough, this point where this where this scene occurs in the comic, it's kind of like that set point where uh-huh. where the, periodically the show will will hit a beat in the comic. Yeah, that will be like dead on that beat for all the changes that the show mm-hmm. makes. It sometimes pulls itself right. around to hit one of those points that is. You know, they, they parallel oh, the comic. spot. Right. Okay, yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, hi, folks. I'm Timothy Harvey. And I'm Dustin. And this is Apocalypse Now. Yes. And we are talking about the season premiere of The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. And if you... If we just spoiled it for you by telling you... Then why are you listening to this that, podcast? That, yeah, exactly. But... Uh, Stop being a wimp. <laughs> we lost two characters tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It was a very good episode. It was very, very good. I will say, I yes, I was probably one of the best. Um, and I will say that even including how tired I got after the Negan after a little while. <laughs> and but see, the thing is, I think I got tired of him in a really, really good way. Like I was like, ah, oh, by the by the end of the episode, I was just like so tired of him breaking Rick down. Mm-hmm. I was so ready for that to be over. Yeah, and I think that's a really effective. I don't know. Like I was like, oh, I just want him to go away. I want him to stop doing this and go away. And I, I think that's good. I think that's what, in a way, you're supposed to feel. Well, it's supposed to be overwhelming. I mean, mm-hmm. because the we've talked about this before. Rick's biggest sin is his sense of certainty mm-hmm. his you know it's it, it's pride right hubris if you want to yes, get all English exactly. about it and this so everything that has has been thrown at them rick has always been under the belief somehow that he will make it through he will he and his friends his family these people who have become his family they are going to make it through mm-hmm. and this is him being taken apart on every single level by someone who is bigger, faster, stronger, more brutal, more certain. Yes. And in an unrelenting way that he can't fight against. There's no way for him at this point to win. Right. So it didn't do what I thought they were going to do. I thought we were going to start off with Carol and Morgan in the kingdom. Right. And spend time with them but we don't we got to spend most of the episode with andrew lincoln's eyes yes and and if for all the fact that we have it sometimes poked fun at the fact that andrew lincoln's beard is almost a character at various points in the show andrew lincoln's eyes do some amazing acting yes he is he did go to the ian salmonholder school of eye acting (laughs) and eyebrow acting and i think it's it's 
it's a sweeping generalization, but he's a British actor who's mm -hmm. trained in the theater in the British way, and they do all well. In they the do British all, art is that British? The British, yeah. But they do they they treat theater is is a cultural thing there. Right. I mean, it's it's got a cachet in in the UK that it doesn't have here necessarily. Uh, they don't have they don't have actors who just are actors as celebrities because I've heard. I mean, and this might be an old wives' tale or an urban legend or something, but like, like Judy Dench lives on a regular street in well, a, a regular neighborhood. Like yeah. they're just like, while they are actors, and some of them are very, very famous. England is so small, such a smallish country mm -hmm. that you can't be like, I'm going to go live in this. You know, there's not a big place where all the celebrities live. It's like they live in places like where they yeah. can fit and. You well, know. and I think that I think that there's, okay. you know, a way of looking at the arts there, and some of it has to do with the fact that it's it is smaller, but mm -hmm. it's also older, and there's a history that we just don't have, and we're spread out so much that mm -hmm. I mean, you go to someplace like New York and mm -hmm. and the theater, you know, Broadway is there, the theater is a big deal. You go to L.A., you know, the movie and TV industry, it's a big deal, but there's huge chunks of the country where that just stuff just isn't part right. of the culture. And so when you have someone like, like Andrew Lincoln doing that kind of really great performances with just his eyes on camera, and he's telling you things with, with just the camera lingering on his eyes, right. um, it's really effective. Yes. Um, they start with the two minutes of, that have been out all summer long right. of, of Andrew Lincoln covered in, Rick covered in blood, mm -hmm. talking to Negan, saying, I'm going to kill you, and then... Negan grabs him and drags him into the RV. Right. We don't know who's dead yet. Uh, and they start teasing us a bit because they start flashing these images of, of everybody. Right. As they work their way through it. And... All his all his memories, all Rick's memories of all of the all of his friends. Mm -hmm. First meet. I think it goes from like first meeting to like key scenes until today. Uh, I think yeah. That's uh, it. So much of this. So much of this episode goes by really really quickly. But at the same time, that whole you know that was that it's a very constant, unrelenting mm -hmm. stream of, of Negan. But it does it things like that, which are which are flashed by the screen fast anyway. Right. Um, seem to just flow at you in a way that's yeah. really really intense. So we get to the first commercial break, and that's when we see Abe is the first one to get Lucille to get vampire batted. Uh, yeah, and it's pretty gruesome. And I will tell you this: that in that moment, as I'm watching that happen, as I was watching that happen, I was like, "I might have, we might have been wrong. Right. It might, it might just be because because Robert Kirkman tweeted out something along the lines of only one person is going to get killed, and that should should have just automatically been like." A sign that everyone on the show is about to die this episode. Right. Yeah. Well, because you know, if you think Andrew, if you think Robert Kirkman is anything but a liar, you're wrong. Well, and and in all fairness, that is the job of the person who is telling the story, whether they are the showrunner or the producer or the writer of the show. If they are not looking at the audience and flat out lying to you, so that you can actually see the episode, not be and be surprised, they are doing their job wrong. Right, it but, is also horrible and cruel. 
But the difference is, I think, I think a lot of showrunners, executive producer slash type people, will just be like, "Well, who knows? Let's just wait and see and see what right, we see." Right. But Robert Kirkman comes out and he's like, "No, we're not gonna kill two one people. Death is Why enough. would you? Yeah, one death is plenty. That's gonna be brutal enough." Yeah. And, well, and, and it know, was. It was. It was totally brutal enough. And when Abe got smashed and. I, I was done. I was like, wow. And they linger on it. This is mm-hmm. not a one and done, you're out. It is blow after blow after blow until mm-hmm. you are watching essentially paste. Right. It is very brutal and very graphic, and it goes on for a long time. And what this show occasionally does well is those moments of brutality. Right. But usually... It's our heroes going to that point. Right. It's Rick, you know, killing the fine young cannibals, you know, with a hatchet. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Huh. Hatchet. With his hatchet. You know what I noticed? I mean, this is just a little cute, cute thing that I hope they keep doing. That Negan doesn't know what the right words for things are. <laughs> because he called the hatchet an axe, like, the whole time. And then he asks for a pen, and it was a marker. <laughs> and, like... Like I keep, I hope they keep doing that. Where where Negan is like, "Hey, does anybody does anybody want this fork?" And he holds up a spoon. I want that. I want that to be a part of his thing. Yeah. Like that that Negan before he became this despot was just some accountant living somewhere, and they were all and his wife was constantly like, ah, "No, that's that's you know that's not that's not half and half, Randy Negan. That's <laughs> that's you know whipping cream." And he's like, this is the same thing. And now he just doesn't know. He's That's just the thing. It's part of him. Yeah, so, I just hope that's the thing that happens. So Dustin was tweeting out uh, this show. Uh, as, as I as, do. as he often does. At the night, Dusto. And for a scene that is coming up, Negan does ask for a pen. And the guy goes, you got a pen? And he goes like, uh, yeah. And he picks it out and throws it. And in the middle of all of this, I look at Dustin and go... That's not a pen. That's a marker. Of all the things I could have said in the course of this episode, that's the thing that I couldn't resist. Our friend Crystal, who was too emotionally damaged to appear on this show, so emotionally damaged that she actually got up and left as soon as the episode was over. She does have to go home. Yes, but... she lives 30 minutes away. So anyway, but, like, sat there catatonic the whole time. Like, couldn't deal. She's grabbing my shoulder. She's she's grabbing my arm. Um, she wasn't, like, grab your arm and bruise you. Mm-hmm. But it was grab your arm and just hold on. Right. And so, but it was nice to see her. It was nice to have yeah. her. We had dinner with her. And, and... My, my little one, my, my oldest little one, Trinaya, has been begging to watch the show. So she got to watch it. She wanted to appear on the podcast, but when the show was over, she was like, no, I think I need to go to bed. <laughs> Hopefully she doesn't have nightmares. She was, she was doing that thing where not only was she asking a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daddy, why are they doing that? Daddy, what does that mean? <laughs> Daddy, <laughs> Dustin's like, uh, look. <laughs> if you're going to sit here and ask, I, I, bad parenting, I said, if you're going to sit here and ask me questions, we will turn this show off until you're, it's time for you to go to bed and we'll watch it after you go to bed, you know, but she also did that thing where you laugh yeah, when you're, when you're nervous or when you're upset or you don't really want to let on to a, a room full of adults who are trusting you to act moderately adult, even though you're nine in the middle of this room watching the show that's not for nine year olds. Uh, yes, she did that thing. I suspect that we will not, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I suspect we're not going to get a whole lot of Can I Watch the Walking Dead? Well, that's why I did it, honestly, because she kept begging mm-hmm. to watch it. Like, Tim's been coming to our house 
to watch The Walking Dead for over a year, and, you know, she's been old enough to stay up till 9 o'clock, and the show right. in the Midwest comes on at 8, which, why? Uh, but cable. it comes on at 8, and... If this was a regular network show, it would be on at 9 o'clock, but it is a cable show. Right. So, uh, so she's been begging us to watch this show for since March, since her birthday. So I let her watch it this week so that she would know. Mm-hmm. And so now she can be like, we. I don't think she's gonna want to watch it again. I don't. I don't know. Who knows? You may have created a monster. I kind of hope. <laughs> I my whole my whole goal in raising these children is to create monsters. So if well, if her, go. I'm reading her ElfQuest comics right now. If it's ElfQuest comics and zombie movies at night or zombie TV shows at nine o'clock that makes her into a badass chick, I'm all for it. Well, you know what? I think uh, she's probably on her way to being a badass chick. Your kids are kind of awesome. Thank you. So that was a, a moment of sincerity on the Zompocalypse Now. Yeah. You don't get a lot of those, honestly. Mostly it's just analysis and snark. So anyway, where were we? What are we even talking about? Um, Who are we? So <laughs> Oh, it's Negan wanting his axe back. So, well, basically, uh, no, we, before we get to Negan wanting his axe back, we have to go through the fact that we've just basically had Abe beaten to a paste. Right. And... A fine powder. Daryl does the thing. That Daryl does. And he leaps up and decks Negan. Mm-hmm. Negan, however, is not... This is not his first rodeo. This is not his first... Mm-hmm. You people think you're badasses. Let me explain the world to you moments. He says, okay, well, I'm going to have to kill another one of you. Mm-hmm. And he walks around and... He doesn't do the eating, 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 thing again, which I just think would have just been just the worst. Like, oh, God. You know, they, they play a very fine line with Negan for me. Like, I think I've already said on this, like, I don't get the Jeffrey Dean Morgan thing. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a, fi- he's a fine actor, I suppose. I just think that he's just got really lucky casting in some good genre shows. Yeah, I mean, that's well, that's kind of a lot of actors who become genre and, stars. And so, I mean, but I kind of I don't get why everybody's like, oh, it's Jeffrey Dean Morgan and he's in this thing. Well, like, I mean, he's, he's unpopular. Yeah, he's... he was also on Grey's Anatomy. Well, yeah, he was popular on Grey's Anatomy. Right. But he's also... He's managed to get himself in the right place at the right time to have the kind of audience that this audience recognizes mm-hmm. him and gets excited about him. I like him as an actor. I think he's fine. Um, but I think here they found that right tone where Negan is... Negan is the smiling monster. He's the one who looks at you and says, How are you doing? As he's chopping you up into little pieces. He's, he's, he's that horrible kind of pleasant... Right. Nightmare. And I think last year, Jeffrey Dean Morgan even said, like, if you look at the, the way our characters, our guys, Team Zombie is, like, if you were, if we had been following Negan mm-hmm. from the very beginning, from the, from Account Barry Negan to now. Dustin's new headcanon. Yeah. Uh, we would, we would be, like, these people just came in and brutally murdered a bunch of our guys. Right. We've got to do something about this. Yeah, Negan is the hero of his own story. Right. And I think that that's even a... He, this is a better example of that than the governor was, mm-hmm. I think. Well, Definitely I think, than the final cannibals were. I think that really when you... Negan is definitely the villain from a lot of perspectives. Because, I mean, when we look at, when we look at the world that he has built... 
Mm-hmm. Which we haven't seen yet. Right, but enough, we know what we know about it so far is that it's pretty awful. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he's basically a blackmailer. Mm-hmm. He's a murder. He's a blackmailer and a murderer. So but, a confidence man. But sells, he sells. Uh, yeah, sells protection. But he also has, in his own mind, justification for doing this, which we will get in the show. I'm sure at some point he will explain it to us. We get that in the comic. We know why he's doing what he's doing in the comic. You know, we have there's there's an explanation for his behavior. Uh, all of these characters have explanations. You know, like I said, they're all heroes in their own story. Right. But this particular, from obviously from our point of view, from our from Team Zombie's point of view, he's very much the villain because he just murders Glenn. Yeah. And oh yeah, we just out of nowhere it just sort of happens, and when it happens. It's shocking. Even though we predicted that it was going to happen, uh, yeah. everyone kind of knew it was happening. It it happens, and you're just like, <gasps> because you almost like because it happens to Abe, you almost believe they won't go there again. Right. And you're wrong because if we thought it was a little brutal and long to watch Abe die, mm-hmm. to watch Glenn die is worse. Oh, definitely. Because the prosthetics and makeup people. Did themselves proud tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if genre shows won Emmys, he said wistfully, his head is dented in, and one of his eyes is pretty much out of the socket. Yeah. And his last words to Maggie are, "I will find you." Right. And it is kind of heartbreaking. Right. And it's then it's be- it's beautiful because their relationship has been such a such a bright spot mm-hmm. in this show. And they have always said to each other, there's nowhere that you could go that I am not going to find you. There's right. nowhere, nothing that will ha- nothing that can happen, nothing can happen to you that I am not going to find you. Except. Right. And we must not forget that at this moment, Maggie is also kneeling there in, in, in physical distress because she's having some sort of issue... With her, with her pregnancy. Yeah. So she's watching the father of her child be brutally murdered in front of her. And Rick has told Negan that he's going to kill him. Right. Um, and and not to not today, not tomorrow, but at some point you will kill him. The rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. And then Negan basically goes, Let's go for a ride. Yes. And I could not be able to be reminded, did you ever see Blue Velvet? The yes. Movie? Where where Dennis Hopper's like, you know, let's go for a ride, and you're like, oh, no, I don't no, want to do that. Very very bad. Do that. It's exactly that moment right there. It's the same thing. And and I love like this is like Negan's confidence is so just disturbing because he walks in, throws Rick back towards the back of the RV, puts the hatchet in the table, like clunk in the table, and then gets in the driver's seat and tries to start the RV. Mm-hmm. And he says, like, he's trying to start, he's like, this is a piece of crap. Like, I, how are you driving this thing around? And, and and then he goes, you know, probably your best chance is to right now get that hatchet out of the table and put it in the back of my skull. That's your best chance. And, and Rick goes for it. And it, it, Negan is up in a flash with a semi-automatic weapon pointed at him, like, "Don't make me get up again, please." Yeah. That was your best chance. Yeah, and it was no chance at all. He then, well, he then drives out into the pre-dawn fog. Yes, and stops the 
stops the RV uh, at an overpass, which happens to be the overpass where we saw one of the one of Negan's warnings hanging from the overpass. Right. And throws the uh, the hatchet out the door and tells Rick to bring back his axe. Right. But I didn't see. This is where I got confused. Yeah. Because I didn't see that he threw it up on top of the RV. I just saw that he threw it, and so. Like, by the time Rick's climbing up the ladder, I'm like, what are you doing? You know what? I didn't quite get that either. and Because I, I thought that... I had thought that he threw it out, and then Rick went and got it, and then ended up putting it on top of the RV. But it, it, there's so much happening right there. Well, but he gets up on the top of the RV, and the hatchet is there. I, I, ha- I would have to watch it again. But in some respects, I almost don't know that I know that we have to, because... It doesn't, yeah, this is a nitpicking. Ultimate, We're nitpicking because ultimately, we need Ultimately, the things. point is, is that there's a wall of zombies out there. That Rick has to deal with to go to whether the axe is on the roof or in the in the starts off in, on the ground, he's surrounded by a by a, a man with a gun at his back, mm-hmm. and you know the walkers in front of him, and his entire world crashing down around him. This is this is the kind of moment that characters just sit there and let themselves be eaten. Mm-hmm. But Negan has made it extremely clear. You are, if you don't come back with me, I'm going to go back and kill all your friends. And then I'm going to go back to Alexandria and I'm going to kill everyone there. So Rick has, while Rick probably would not mind giving up at this moment, he can't because if he does give up and he dies, everyone he knows and loves will also be dead. But it's also incredibly overwhelming and emotionally destroying at this whole point. He's just watched Abe... Abe is part of the group. Abe yeah. is Abe is. I suppose we can call them friends. But Glenn was family. Yeah. And so this is. And not only is he he just watched Glenn die, but he watched the father of Maggie's baby die. Mm-hmm. Maggie's husband die. Right. There's all these different layers of of emotional pain here. The first person he ever met, except for Morgan, the set. Well, I guess it would be the second person he met that helped him survive this was Glenn. Right. And in many ways, when when Negan's talking about his, you know, it's good to have a right hand man. In many, you know, in in a lot of the ways that mattered, Glenn was. Also being, uh, yeah, morally the center and and all those things. So anyway, uh, zombie fights ensue. Rick trap Rick on top of the RV, having it all hit him. Uh, Negan not letting him stay up there. Yeah, shooting holes in the roof to get him off the roof and. Bring him his axe, mm-hmm. and yet Negan will pop out periodically to mow down the extra walkers. Yeah, and, so know. that Rick has a better chance. It's a weird. Well, because you know he's trying to get Rick to be what he wants him to be, mm-hmm. which is or to realize that he needs to give up. Rick is still right at even at this moment. Rick is still in his mind trying to plot how is he going to get one over finally get one over on Negan. You can kind of tell. And so, but he gets him back, gets the axe, gets it back into the RV. They go back to the campsite, and it's morning, mm-hmm. uh, and Negan kind of throws Rick out on the ground, and he says that. He says, look, I can see it in your face that you are still, you're looking at me the same way you were look, you looked mm-hmm. at me before I killed any one of your friends. So I guess we still have to continue this lesson. And so he grabs Carl, and this is... <laughs> This is the pen moment. Yeah. Got a pen. He draws with the marker a line on Carl's arm and tells Rick, 
you have to cut off Carl's arm on this line. Make sure that you leave a nice 45-degree angle so, so we that can, fold, can the flap fold, over. fold the flap over. And, you know, he'll be fine. You've got a good doctor, but you've got to do it. And at this point, Michonne says... I love that no one, no one has lines. Rick barely has any lines. Daryl mm-hmm. has no lines. Nobody has said a word this whole time, none of our main yeah. cast, except for for Abe said, suck my balls. Suck or my something. balls, yeah. And Glenn said, Maggie, I will find you. And Rick said, I will kill you. Yeah. And so Michonne, she calls out, she's like, we get it. We get it. You can stop. And Nick is like, no, you get it. You all get it. He doesn't get it yeah. yet. And so it's a very Abraham in the mountains moment. Right. And for for a minute, I'm watching that going, Rick should be missing a hand by now. Yeah. Because at this point in the comic, he doesn't have a hand. Yes. And, and I'm looking at this going... Are we just going to keep whittling away pieces of Carl? Yeah, they're, they're, they are firing Chandler Riggs in yeah. tiny little increments <laughs> off of this show. Um, but, and so I'm thinking to myself, is this a scene where basically Rick begs him to cut off his hand? And he Rick does. does that. Yeah. Rick begs him to do that. And I'm thinking to myself, this is it. Maybe this is it. Maybe, maybe he does chop off mm-hmm. Rick's hand. But it is, it is that Abraham moment where he takes him right up to the edge. And he pushes into the point where basically going, do I have to count it down, Rick? Yeah, because I'll do it. And and and, Ch- and and Carl is like, just do it, do it fast, do it fast. And he's yeah. like, just let's do it, let's get this over with, and we'll you know we'll move on. And the look on Andrew Lincoln's face, mm-hmm. his Rick at that moment is, he is shattered. And he does. He begs, please, just let me come. I'll cut yeah. my own hand off. Let me do. Let it be me. Mm-hmm. And it is. This is. This is not a. This is this is a broken man at this particular second. This is a broken man begging, and which is exactly where Negan wanted him to be. Mm-hmm. And then Negan stops him. Yep. And looks at him and says, "You belong to me. You all belong to me. You will do what I tell me tell you to. You will bring me what is what I want. You are mine." And. He's, Rick's like nodding and he's like, no, no, I want you to say it. And I, you know, it, at this point of all the adversaries we've had for these characters, they've never had someone who's looked at them like this and tore them down to this level. Right. And that's considering that Rick has been so much the sin of pride, his, that, that sense that we can always defeat them. Because remember when we were like, you know, when the when the fine young cannibals had them, and yeah. Rick's like, you know, they're messing with the wrong people. Yeah, and we we're like, oh yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> These beautiful, beautiful, sexually enticing cannibals have no idea yeah. what they have done. They think they have just caught lunch, but what they've really caught is is death. Yes, and here it is completely inverted. Miss you, Gareth. It's okay. He was on. He was on the where we are now, where we came, and he looked so good. He looked so <laughs> good, and it was like, why are you not working? You had your like six episodes on Dead of Summer. Like, why are you not he on some show somewhere? Maybe he's, got a, maybe he's got a theater gig. He's you know, Canadian. he's probably well. Okay, then he's probably working. At the end of of this intense sequence, 
Negan's like, you know what? Um, we're leaving. Mm-hmm. I'm going to leave you. I'm going to leave you the. Uh, I'm going to leave you a, a truck, and he leaves him the RV. And he says, uh, "We're back in a week." Yeah. And you so, can bring me my first tribute. See ya. Yep. Oh wait, we're going to take this guy. They point to Daryl. He goes, "This guy's mine." And you know, take him, take him with him. And he goes, "And I will send you pieces of him." If you don't do what I say, I'm going to send pieces of him back to you. And no, then no, he wait. changes his mind and <laughs> says, oh, no, never mind. If you don't do what I say, I'm going to bring him to you and make you cut pieces off of him. Yeah. And it's just, ugh, just I just can't with Negan right now. And I think that's I think that's rather the point. That's the point, yes. And I think that they did it very effectively. That it was just like, by the by the time this, this is over, it's like, oh, thank God he's going. And they put Daryl in the back of that van is like a caged animal. He's mm-hmm. like crouched and he's like, he looks like you just put a dog or a jungle cat mm-hmm. inside the back of that truck. The because, way he's moving around. It's well, amazing. Even though we have watched this, this has been basically about taking that sense of certainty and hubris that Rick has and mm-hmm. to the viewer destroying it. But we can't forget the fact that the people who are not in the RV getting the lecture from Negan are having just the same reactions mm-hmm. with even less control right. than Rick had. With either, you know, because they were on, they've questioned Rick's certainty before. Right. They've questioned that, you know. Michonne has, Michonne has proven to be able to see when Rick needs a timeout yeah. and provide it to him, sometimes physically. This is more than any of them have dealt with before. Yes, and so, so Negan leaves. He leaves a broken man. And we watched. We and they don't. They don't make this scene happen very quickly. They actually have the our heroes sitting there on their knees, mm-hmm. shattered, as these folks are leaving behind them. So you actually mm-hmm. get a, you get a mon you know a nice little montage of a whole bunch of people leaving, mm-hmm. not terribly fast. Um, it's a it's it helps drag out that sense of of shock that they're all in in a really good way. It's a very it's a very good editing choice. But. I think we we got a really good foreshadowing. Um, I think I, I will say that Rick is broken. Rick is not going to be wanting to fight for quite some time. Right. But we got really really good foreshadowing of who the new leader of the war party against Negan is going to be, because Maggie stands up first mm-hmm. and she says, "I am going to Hilltop." Because I still need medical treatment, and I'm taking Glenn's body with me. Yeah, and there is, for all the fact that Rick has been broken down, one of the things that he does right after this is he tells Maggie that, they all they all do, they, they tell Maggie, let us help you. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, I'll do it on my own. And Rick's like, no, let us help you, because he's family. He's, you know, he's our family, too. And it is... What this what this whole bit could have done was put them in an adversarial relationship with Rick, right? And it doesn't, at least not right now. Mm-hmm. You know they. But I have this. I I just have this very strong feeling that we are about to start seeing, like, real French Resistance style guerrilla warfare happen from Maggie. Well, doesn't Maggie become in the com? com- she, she becomes the leader of Hill. Yeah, exactly. But it's coming. We might see some sub- subservient Rick for a little while, but it's not going to be for long. Well, we we already know that we're getting the Kingdom introduced this season. Yes. And the Kingdom is one of the allies that Rick has 
when they do, Rick and company have when they do fight back against Negan. And in the comic, and it's been, a, I, have, I have not read several of the last issues of the comic, but at the comic, and who knows where we're going to go with this, they of course do beat Negan, and Rick beats Negan within an inch mm. of his life, and basically says, no, you're going to live, and I'm going to put you in a, in a hole in the ground, and no one's ever going to talk to you again. You're not going to have any power. You're not going to have anything. And that works until Carl starts to come visit Negan. No, I haven't read any of that this either. So, I, I know that he escapes eventually, too. But certainly at this point, I mean, and, and for all the divergence the comics and the TV show have, the TV show takes from the comic, there's no way of knowing that we're going to get anywhere near that. I think, I think Jeffrey Dean Morgan having, you know, a career outside of The Walking Dead will quite likely, you know, the character will probably end up dead, but... I don't, I don't know, who knows. I They can still effectively do that with the, I'm putting you in a cell. And, and then come not. back for special episodes, yeah. yeah. But that's basically where we leave off, is our heroes have been shattered. The team zombie is broken. We have had the biggest loss of one of the heart and souls of the show. Mm-hmm. Someone who has been on the show since the first, first episode. First episode. You hear Glenn's voice in the first episode at the very end. And a character that I think probably, if you had killed off Daryl, you might have had a bigger emotional response from people. Well, uh, but I think that it's would be so hard it. to say because Kirkman wrote Glenn dying in the 100th episode issue of the comic. Mm-hmm. Five years ago. Yeah. And so when they start talking about Negan coming, everyone knew that this was where we were going. Everyone but, knew. But again, bear in mind that the audience for the TV version of The Walking Dead is bigger than the comic audience. Right. And Jason and I talk about this all the time over on H2O, one of our other podcasts, that we, from the inside looking out, we are in the comic book world already. We already are reading this stuff. But for the vast majority of the viewership of this show, they're hearing us say, oh, well, yeah, Glenn died in the comic years ago. And then we go, oh, yeah, but, you know, Carol died in the comic years ago, too. And they go, ha, 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 yeah. Carol's still alive, ha, ha, you know, and, you know, Daryl's not even in the comic book. Aha, yes, okay, Glenn's not going to die, ah, you know. Um, that was a terrible impersonation of some random fan going, why why you monsters did you kill Glenn and you know what because they are monsters and and I hate to say it but this is the kind of show where we talk about this with Fear the Walking Dead mm -hmm. if you don't kill off some of these characters if you don't have there be risk that these characters have to have that the, the threat of death is real right then the tension goes right out. I mean, right, you, can, you miss it, you lose it. And this is this is important. I mean, you know, this is this is a show that wouldn't kill off Judith the way she died in the comic. Right. Uh, because and then which led you and I to speculate whether or not they would kill off Maggie because she's yes. pregnant. Right. So I think that that would have been yeah, and I think that's also the reason. We don't have anyone's hand cut off because this show does not just doesn't want to do the CG. 
like everybody's you know like they don't want to do that weird thing where like one arm length one arm is longer than the other because right of course and they don't want to do the cg that's why everybody gets to keep their hands like you can cover up half carl's face and he can be oh i lost an eye but you can't do that with a hand right so i think we should be done here we should i'm tired dustin's crawling away he's literally crawling away (laughs) It's all, he's been he's been brought down yeah. so low that he's on his hands well, and knees. I let I let Trinaya get weave oh, in yeah. her hair, uh-huh. and so it doubled the length of her hair. But now I have all these little black dust bunnies of hair all over my house. No, oh. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> pretty intense. Yeah. So follow us on all the places you follow us. I'm at the night dough dust dough. Uh, yes, I am uh, Timothy Harvey on. Uh... Uh, but I tweet way more than him. He does. I you can, you can find reference to my tweeting by he will occasionally tag me in things, uh, like tonight when mm-hmm. you know, it's not a pen, that's a marker. <laughs> uh, at least a moment of levity in an episode that did not have any levity in it, aside from Negan's very very dark sense of humor. Um, yes, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook. If you are listening to us, whether you're listening to us on iTunes or Podcast.com, leave us a comment. So we know you're there. So we know you're there, but it also, if you leave us Say a comment hello. and rate us, it also helps other people find us because it moves you up in the search engine stuff and all that weird arcane magic thing that goes on in that. But anyway, we would love to hear from you. So we will see you next week as we are back to Walking Dead, the new season, and and off to a pretty, pretty intense start. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Tim. We'll see you guys next week. This has been a presentation of HorrorForMe.com. Copyright 2016 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. This is Sci-Fi For Me Radio.